Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we read The Alloy of Law, chapters two and three, wherein we meet Wax's fiance, I guess, Steris, and his best buddy, Wayne. And then uh, Wax learns a little bit about this new criminal gang that is apparently causing some trouble in the big city. So I'm Data, and with me is... Jamie. Dak. And Joe. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. The streets spin shimmers and the walls they curl. The grip of greed, it rains. There's just one track to lead this moving train. The price of progress is a dying world. The price of trust is pain after the So yeah, we're Jamie last time was like, man, I want to meet this Wayne guy. So here we go. We didn't have to wait too long. What did you guys think of the two chapters that we read this time? Yeah, I'm I'm glad we got to meet Wayne. I I, I don't fully know what I was expecting of Wayne by the time we got there, but I, I don't think I was disappointed. I think he's quite the character and I've just got him kind of built up in my head as all these different like stereotypes and like weird comic voices and stuff and I'm just like oh god I, I really need to probably read what we read again and just listen to what he has to say <laughs> but I enjoy his power I think that's kind of cool mm. being able to sort of speed up time in your own little bubble I'm not I'm not sh- like completely sure how it works but that was that was kind of cool I look forward to seeing a bit more of of him and you know how that's all going to tie together Darius yeah she's an individual <laughs> very to the point um nothing nothing quite so romantic as a many many page contract mm-hmm. <laughs> outlining you know uh your mistress allowance yep well, that's yep this sounds like a quite a match and the the the, the mystery the all the robberies and kidnappings and stuff it's that's cool it, it sounds you know like some some good old sleuthing's gonna happen which I'm really excited about too. So, and again, more little hints about things that we already knew from the previous Miss Bourne books. I kind of, I actually quite like this uh, Parthian religion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, you know, having to wear the earring. I was like, ah, oh, here we go, here we go. This is how we're going to talk to Sage, I'm sure. But I, yeah, kind of. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. These religions that they're sort of following at the moment don't seem so ridiculous, which is good at the moment. And obviously we already know a bit about the survivor religion, so it'd be nice to have something a little bit different and sort of see what they've done in the last 300 years with them all. Yeah, it was good. I'm liking it so far. Yeah, I was about to say we know the survivor religion, like where it started, but it's had 300 years or whatever to evolve, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of, how that has developed. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, religions that we kind of deal with, you know, back in the real world, 
300 years on, that's really not a lot of time for a religion. So, but but a lot can happen. You know, you've got enough generations that have passed and enough things that have happened, you know, word of mouth and things that have changed. And originally these religions were set up by the people who were there and we've read about those stories. So it'd be really cool to see how they've changed them and, yeah, what they took away from, I guess, those experiences and where we left off in the last books. I'm trying to think of how modern religions have evolved. I guess Martin Luther was only like 500 years ago. So it's like before that, everything was Catholic. And then in the last 500 years, um, it's evolved uh, in different directions and craziness, yeah. even just evolved, with Christianity. Yeah. Evolved. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and you mentioned the contract thing. I'm, when you said that, I was like, I wonder if uh, marriages would have more or less trouble if uh, your mistress allotment was just included in the agreement when you started. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, have as many as you want. <laughs> you may have three extramarital affairs, but not four. <laughs> <laughs> not two. <laughs> Five is right out. <laughs> I, I like the, the idea of not two. It's like, no, you better find another one because you're not done. <laughs> Even numbers are I just like, it's like, okay. Here's what I'm willing to do for you. <laughs> no more than three, not less than one. And by the time you've got an heir, that allotment goes to fortnightly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I really enjoy this. Wayne is a character, kind of a bit of, bit of a smart ass, but I'm, but I'm enjoying seeing him. Um, yeah, the whole dinner conversation thing, the contract and Lady Steris and her dad. And I was like, this did not go at all how I thought it was going to. And I was lapping it up. Like every second was hilarious. Um, I'm curious about, God, what was the name? Was it Maris Marassi? Oh, yeah, Maris, uh, Mar- something, something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay, so look, she's she's clearly got some information that we don't know yet, so like, we'll be seeing more of her, very very cool. Uh, I liked the the aluminium bullets, and just like, oh, yeah, so you, you, like, there, there has been a rise in technology specifically to counter coin shots and lurches, mm. in addition, like, where they've brought in the guns, so, like, yeah, I, I don't know how well a real-world aluminium bullet would go, but it makes sense in the context of this world. So that, so that's cool. Um, it makes sense of what we know about aluminium here. So yeah, that, like that, I thought that was a nice little touch. Like this, this is all really good. The second chapter where it's basically him trying to figure out the crime and figure out his religion. I'm like, all right, this is just info, I guess. It's like it's interesting, but it wasn't quite as like it's it's it seemed it seemed to slow down slow down a bit. I guess it's necessary though. I did love the butler getting so offended when he's just like, <laughs> yeah, whatever for the tea, and the butler's just like, oh boy, no, how dare you on this the day of my daughter's wedding? <laughs> I was I was watching Scott Pilgrim with the kids or something the other day, and uh, there's the scene where she's he's she's she, she's like, what kind of tea do you want? And Scott's like, there's more than one kind. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd love someone to come and bring me this like custom made tea every night. Are you planning to Sounds sleep like you soon? need a butler. Yeah, I know. Get on that. I don't know anything about tea. Jack. Well go 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 and research tea. <laughs> Become an expert on how to make various forms yeah. of tea. Yeah. I mean, what's the internet for if not to research tea? Exactly. <laughs> the entire history of the East India Company. Uncle Iroh, help me now. <laughs> Some nice jasmine tea. Uh, yeah, these chapters, um, the first chapter, 
I, 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 I kind of get he's supposed to be this way, but Wayne kind of annoys me. I like him, <laughs> but he kind of annoys me. But yeah, I mean, that, I think that's supposed to be kind of part of his charm, uh, if you want to call it charm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, he's quirky. He's fun. The disguise thing is cool. The speed thing is cool. That also made me think maybe that's how he ended up accidentally killing Lessie. That guy had the same power, the murderer dude. Uh, so that he would oh, yeah. see where the stop time or whatever, see where the bullet is going and move her mm-hmm. over. Yeah, that's that would be my guess as to how that happened, and I guess he just didn't realize at the time that 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 guy had that power. The other thing that I was kind of questioning is Marcy's like role because she does have information, but it also sounded like the harms were trying to keep her from giving out that information. And so I'm almost wondering if she's also an Alamancer and they kind of know what's up and that's why they're keeping her close by. Mm. And because the Techiel family or whatever, there's some kind of plot going on with them where they were smuggling stuff and then they basically got the tables turned on them. I'm also wondering if maybe other of the large wealthier houses were involved in the same thing and now they're also having issues because they were all profiting from it together maybe because you know what better way to smuggle than to put everybody's stuff in one pot so it's like you know i sell my wool in quotation marks to techiel and then he moves it and it's actually aluminum or whatever so i think maybe that's that's something that kind of popped in my brain when it's revealed the techiel house stuff going on but yeah uh going i know i'm kind of jumping all around going back to the marriage contract of it all that lady is crazy (laughs) Uh, i really don't think this that he needs to get involved with her at all i also like how she's like yeah yeah i mean i'm gonna have dalliances as well you know the coachman's a proper proper thing and i'm like so you're into coachman like i don't (laughs) i don't understand what's going on so yeah that was weird back of a coach wagon yeah. So I also like how she's like, yeah, we'll have we'll have sex up to three times, not more than once or no less than once, though, a week. I'm like uh, that part of the contract. I was like, hmm, would it be prudent to get something like that in writing? I don't <laughs> think that's a good idea. You just pull, not, out, pull out the contract like, no, yeah. you are contractually obligated to uh, see this through. Yeah. And Probably, it's Saturday. She could have set a time limit. We haven't. Yeah, it's Saturday and we haven't done it at all. So guess what? Three times today. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, oh, very. Your dad's very sitting strange. right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, yeah, and I think I think at one point the dad kind of gets uncomfortable because he's like, let's shift it on to other topics. Uh, less personal matters. <laughs> yeah. Because because not only did she tell her dad like yeah I've I've calculated how many times we're going to have sex during a week she also told her dad also I'm going to have sex with other men <laughs> outside of my marriage oh. and he's going to have sex with other women outside of her marriage so oh, uh, and she, yeah and she specifically mentioned the coachman so now that like every coach that they yeah, exactly. dad is going to yeah. be like did you yeah yeah like when they got in the coach after after visiting his house they're going to be like he's going to be thinking about it like wait a minute. <laughs> No, not until after an heir is provided. That was, that's the deal. I guess, yeah. But anyway, uh, good chapters. We're we're like twenty percent of the way through, so like, yep. I, I assume stuff's gonna start developing pretty quick here. But you know, of course, we have to have some intro to 
different characters and who's going to be in play. But I I do like kind of mysteries. So this one seems to be presenting itself in more of a mystery style. So that's cool. I like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what happens next. Okay. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, from that that the third chapter that uh, there may be a mystery afoot that we're going to have to figure out. So watch that not come out to anything. It's like, oh, by the way, the vanisher is completely <laughs> irrelevant to the rest of the book, but uh, whatever. A game is the foot. So, okay, I guess let's get into these things. So we do, we have the six month time jump that, uh, that Joe mentioned last time. And presumably from what we see in these chapters, the six months is to give him time to have repaired his cred with the upper crust without us having to watch him go to all these parties and be a good Lord or whatever. I mean, how, how fun would that have been? Well, I, I thought initially when they first came in that he hadn't repaired his cred because both Lord Harms and his daughter were on him from the start. And then, like Joe said, it's like, oh, no, no. It's not that he hasn't repaired his cred. It's just that she's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that bothered me, and we're about to get there, is like it, the chapter starts off like, hey, how do I look in this cravat? It's like, okay, cool, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, there's a whole discussion. It's like, how's my cravat? And Talam is like, what's well, impeccable as always, my lord. And they have a whole discussion about like, I've never worked for a lord who actually knew how to tie a cravat. I'm curious how this came about. And Wax is like, well, you know, I had to do it on my own out in the roughs. And dude's like, did did you really need a cravat in the roughs? I wouldn't have thought that uh, fashion would was a thing out there. And we already knew that he liked to dress gentlemanly even out in the in the middle of nowhere. And he says here that. It had an effect on people. Some immediately respected him and others immediately underestimated him. And it worked for him in both cases. So, yeah, it's a cool, cool little trick. That that was his thing. Everybody needs a a, a shtick to become a famous lawman. And so that's his thing. (laughs) The gentleman lawman. You know, I um, it makes me think of like when you play Red Dead and you get the expansion and it has all the extra suits and one of them's like gentleman's attire and you're walking around on a ranch and I always thought this is kind of weird why would you wear this but like this guy totally works for yeah I like the note as he's getting dressed he has the one steel button on his vest among the wooden ones and that's really harkens back to like back in the final empire days they also wore like wooden buttons and wooden decorations maybe painted to look metallic because you don't want to give a uh, an Alamancer a weapon, but he is the one who would use the weapon. So I guess it kind of works for him. So we find out that uh, Lord Harms is coming to uh, have a chat with him. And we find out a little bit about the, the house. Very fancy, big place that he's been away from for 20 years. And he still didn't quite feel like it's his. Cause he can still smell his uncle's pipe smoke, it says. A lot of deep woods, dark woods and heavy stone sculptures. Despite modern tastes, there were almost no portraits or paintings. Many of those had been valuable and had been sold before his uncle's death. So that's how badly off they are for money. They were selling the art off the walls. And then we meet the, uh, I don't know, she's like the maid or uh, Miss Grimes. I don't know exactly what her job is. Uh, from the description, it sounds like, and I think they even say her title at one point in the chapter. She's like the lady, the like the head servant lady of the house. Mm. Like she takes care of all the other people. So if you ever watch Downton Abbey, it's like it, the one dude's like Carson and she's like uh, Mrs. Uh, Patmore or whatever. Mrs. Doubtfire. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Wait, no, Miss Patmore's the cook. I forget the lady who's in charge of all the other stuff. No, Mrs. Mrs. I can't remember her name. I don't watch Downton Abbey, so. Yeah, it was Mrs. Hughes. I knew that one. (laughs) Mrs. Hughes, there you go. Hughes, I always want to say 
Bates, and Bates is not right. No. The one girl does get married to Mr. Bates, but uh Yes. I don't even know if it said her Bates. last name at the at the at the beginning. Well no, she's Mistress Bates, so it's all good. And uh, then Mrs. Hughes gets married to uh to Mr. Carson. I mean spoilers. <laughs> I mean, come on, the show's been out for a long time. <laughs> if you're gonna watch it, you you should have already watched it by now. Seven series in a second movie now? Yeah. Everything exactly. is ruined. I can't I can't watch it now. You weren't going to watch it. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to watch it. One of those things, I just don't know that we need another movie, but I'm going to see it. Oh, my wife's super <laughs> excited. She doesn't care. They could make they could make ten movies and she'd see every single one. Yeah. But it's not I the will, same uh, people. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it is. I think so. You don't think so? No, I think it's like a new generation of them or something. Uh, so, see, this may be like them making a movie so they could spin off into a new TV show. Yeah. Got a backdoor mm, sequel. Maybe. I will say I do enjoy uh, looking at Michelle Dockery. She's very pretty. Shrug. Don't know who that is still. So you know. Did you see that? I do love her character with Matthew McConaughey and yeah, that one. Did you see that one? Yeah. That she's, was good. Yeah. She's a uh, she's um, McConaughey's wife in that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I see it then. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, I I like how uh, in the first Mistborn book, e- even when she's faking, you know, going to like the parties and stuff. Uh, it, it never seemed as Downton Abbey as this is, where he's got his butler and his like uh, maid or whatever, and it's like, oh, your mother would have been so pleased to see this day. The housekeeper, the title. Yeah, housekeeper makes sense. Maybe it'll probably say in a minute, and I've just forgotten. But and uh, I guess we never really got a proper insight into the homes of the lords and ladies in the first yeah. one, this one either. I think the most yeah. we saw like of the servants was when it. when there was a terraceman servant, you'd see they, you know. Sean Ariel had a terrorist yes. servant. There was that one chapter yeah. where we followed Ellen back into the house, but we didn't really see much of the staff behind besides Tencent. Yeah, but also Strathbenshaw was just... Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> his, his house wasn't normal. True. Well, and who knows how many of the servants were Ska in general, and so nobody would pay much attention to them regardless. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's not an area that we actually saw much of... Uh, and by the time that, you know, Vin and Ellen are married or whatever, they don't have a lot of servants because they're kind of struggling for the money and keep the keep the government running. I guess they still did have servants because she had issues with the maid, like throwing out the meat that was rotting for her chondra or whatever. Fun times. <laughs> so Miss Grimes is like, yeah, you should have heard how she worried all those years. And Wax is like feeling guilty. And I never really took the time to write to my parents or sister. Only visited that one time right after the railway reached Weathering. So I guess t- there was no railway out there when he went out there. So he just rode a horse out into the wilderness and <laughs> figured it out. But six months down, he's finally getting getting his feet under him, he says. It's, he's pulling House Ladrian along, bringing him back from the brink of financial collapse. So yeah, that was six months we didn't need to see. But it makes sense that it would take a while for him to start turning things around. And so the doorbell rings. He assumes it's them, even though they're early. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go. No, wait, I, sh- I should make- give them some time. Don't want to seem too eager. Miss Grimes, is there something? Just just give me anything to keep me distracted for a minute. And I like it. Uh, it points out that he is uh, fingering the gun inside his jacket or the grip on his Immerling 44S. I like just from his perspective, whenever it's talking about the guns, it gives us like this make and model sort of thing, because that's the kind of thing that he is aware of and very like familiar with and conscious of, whereas it means absolutely nothing to us. He's a collector. You know, he's, he's, he's a man who uh, guns are important. So 
And he's like, it's a good gun, not as good as Renette would make, but uh, a proper small sidearm for a gentleman. He's like, you know, I might not be a lawman anymore, but I'm not going to go around unarmed. That would just be nuts. That is where they say it. It says she's the steward. Uh, yep, the house steward. Sure enough. And had been for the last 20 years. We lost another shipment of steel last night. The second shipment that we've had stolen. House Techiel has lost five shipments, so they seem to be hating on House Techiel, it seems like. I mean, I guess somebody else might have lost a bunch, too, and we just don't know, but that's... Yeah, well, we find out why, though, later. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good... Well, it, it makes sense for the first one, at least. It was like, well, we steal that for that reason. And so he's like, wait, what? Give me the details. No, no, wait, I can't afford to be distracted. And it's like, she gave him a flat look, since that was why she'd probably avoided telling him in the first place. He's just so nervous, and it's kind of funny. He's like, should I go? If I made them wait long enough, has it been too long? I don't... And the mail has come. He's got an invitation to the Yeoman Ostlin wedding. So we're hearing more about House Yeoman. They're having a wedding. Yeah, sure enough. Mazel tov. <laughs> so Miss Grimes is like, hey, that might be a good place for your first public appearance with Miss Harms. And he keeps being like, no, it's not. Nothing's been decided yet. Quit acting like we're getting married all, right now. Like she's got, I've got to soothe her sense for these things. Young master. And he's like, you know, I'm 42 years old, right? I don't think young master really. And I just, I, I love that the next paragraph where it's just like, she considers any unmarried man to be a child, which is really unfair considering that she has never married. Yeah. And it says he refrained from speaking to her about Lessie. Most of the family in the city hadn't known about her. So maybe that means they were married since it's like, uh, I just never mentioned that. I got the feeling that they were from the context, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it wasn't explicitly said, but I thought it was. I don't think it was explicitly said, but I could be wrong too. Limmy, head of the ground floor staff, waited by the doorway. I just, he's, he's got a staff. It's nice. Need to get me one of those. And so he walks in there, expecting to find Lord Harms and his daughter. That is not who he finds. A lanky man with a round, sharp chin face, about 30 years old, wide, rough, roughs style hat, playing Someone with. Has stepped off the set of Peaky Blinders. <laughs> and when he talks, his accent definitely sounds like Cockney. Hello, Wax. Yeah, I see what you mean. Can I, can I trade you for this? He says, holding up the clock. And he's like, Wayne, what are you doing here? Swiftly pulling the door shut behind him. Like, I don't want anyone to see me with this guy. And it's like, I'm looking at your stuff, mate. And he's like, who's, you're supposed to be in weathering. Who's watching the place? Barl. Hey, Barl's back. Barl, he's a miscreant. So am I. Yes, but you're the miscreant I chose for the job. Could have at least sent for Miles. Wayne does not like Miles. It's like, mate, Miles is a right horrible human being. He'd rather shoot a man than bother actually finding out if the bloke was guilty or not. So I guess Miles is a lawman in another town because he says Miles keeps his town clean. He's like, I told you to watch weathering. He's like, yeah, but you're not the boss anymore. So uh, I got some important stuff to be about. Where were you last night around midnight? And that's when the doorbell rings again. He's like, oh, shit. Those are these are high class people, Wayne. I'm try I've spent months trying to persuade people I'm not a ruffian. You have to get out. I like how his buddy shows up and immediately like starts grilling him. Being like, where were you the night of this? <laughs> well, and as and as soon as and when he's like, no, you got to get out of here. He's like, now that's right, suspicious, dodging questions, ask, acting all anxious. What are you hiding, sir? And Wax, I like Wax. is just like, look, I appreciate it that you have come this all this way just to aggravate me. It's really sweet, but now is not the time. You got to go. So apparently he is here because a shipment of foodstuffs was robbed off of a railway car on its way to Weathering. He's like, I hear you recently lost two of your own shipments, these vanishers, so I've come to question you. Right? Suspicious, as I said. And he's like, how is that? I am the one who got robbed. How does that make me suspicious? 
I don't know. How am I to know how your devious criminal genius mind works? Oh, my gosh. This guy is fun. Right now, my criminal genius mind is wondering if I can stuff your corpse anywhere that wouldn't be too obvious. And the door opens, and the servant is sitting there, like, holding the door open as a corpulent man in a very fine suit with mustaches that droop all the way down to his thick neck. Oof, uh, man. Yeah, right? And he's yelling at the servant, like, I don't care who he's talking to. We had an appointment. And then he notices the door's open. He's like, oh, okay, right. Followed by a stern-looking woman with her golden hair fixed in a tight bun, his daughter Steris. And a younger woman that Wax did not know. And Lord Harms is like, Lord Ladrian, I don't like being made to wait. Who's this that you're meeting? And before he can explain, uh, Wayne is like, oh, I'm his uncle. His voice has been altered to sound gruff and lose its rural accent. He'd removed his hat and duster, put on a realistic-looking fake mustache. we got a mustache of power again. <laughs> or the mustache of leadership, whatever it was. Uh, I'm going to say, whoever's got the chief mustache here is... Um... Is oh, that's harms. true. Yeah, he's got, he, he definitely has the more impressive mustache. Fair point. Scrunching his face up to produce some extra wrinkles. And he looks like he might be a little older than Wax rather than 10 years younger. And Wax looks over and he can see the duster and hat and some dueling canes lying in a pile. And this is where we get our first look at one of the new Allomancy powers. Bendeloy, that metal we heard before. Wayne burns it. He is what is called a slider. He creates a bubble of compressed time around himself, which he often uses to change costumes. I don't know why it's called a slider. That makes no sense to me. Maybe he just really liked that TV show. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds, yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit time travel, wasn't it? Was that, no, that was dimension no, hopping. No, it was like dimension hopping, yeah. No, the, it was the other one. That was, Quantum Leap was time travel. That's right. Yeah, yeah. but um, also Bend Alloy, that's not something we heard in the first set of books, is it? No, but that's, we did last year. In the last section of chapters, that was uh, something got uh, somebody's shipment of Bendeloy got stolen, and we looked it up and found out uh, the actual metal. Gotcha. It's just one that we'd never heard of, <laughs> or that I'd never heard of. I guess maybe somebody else had. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's also a twin born, by the way. He has the ferrochemical ability to heal, which is um, healing is gold, if I remember correctly. So cool powers. I guess if you can speed up time and then heal quickly while you're in the sped up time bubble, that would be like super quick healing. Yeah. And uh, so wait, so is Slider referring to both of his powers? No, just... I think it made it sound like it was just the Bendeloy thing. Okay, so what do they call him when he's both? That's a good question. He he, this is the guy who supposedly has memorized all the Twinborn names, so he should know. And Lord Harms is like, "What? This is your uncle, huh?" And he's like, "Oh!" And Wayne jumps in, not on the mother side, not on the Ladrian side, of course. <laughs> Come to check up on the lad. He's had a rough and tumble past, you know. And Lord Harms is just like, yeah, I assume we're given leave to sit, Lord Ladrian. Um, Wax has kind of been thrown off his game here a little bit. And we introduce Steris, who notices the duster and the hat in the corner and uh, has a bit of a disapproving look. And he's like, ah, oh, crap, she thinks this stuff is mine. Yeah. No, she really doesn't seem to care, though. Mm. Oh, she doesn't say anything out loud anyway. And it just says her lips turned down, so. <laughs> oh, it's like, she's like, ugh, but... Yeah, she uh, she doesn't let it interfere with like the rest of the night. She's like, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And her cousin Marisai or Marisi, I think I think I've heard Brandon actually pronounce it Marisi, but it's always I've always said it Marisai in my head. So whoever, whatever, whatever you like. She looks down demurely as Wax turns to her. She spent. Sarah says she spent most of her life in the outer states and is rather timid. So please don't upset her. Like, oh well, I was going to upset her, but now that you said that, all right. <laughs> and then we are. Uh, we're treated to 
how much he's thought through where he sits down in the room. Uh, he takes a seat where he's facing one doorway, and there's another exit, but he found out that there's a squeaky floorboard leading to that door. So now no one can sneak, sneak up on him. Lawman or Lord, he didn't fancy getting shot in the back. Well, I guess uh, some habits die hard. <laughs> I, lo- I love the. Perhaps I should begin by asking after your health. And Starris goes, yeah, perhaps you should. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Wayne asks about uh, Lord Harm's cane. He's like, is that mahogany? And he's like, yeah, it's a family heirloom. Just the most random crap. And Starris is the one who's like, let's dispense with all the chit-chat. We know why we're here. And Wayne, who does not know why they're here, by the way, he's like, what we do? And so they lay it all out. It's like uh, your uncle, may he rest with the hero, tarnished the Ladrian name with his social reclusiveness, occasional reckless forays into politics, and blatant adventurism. I don't know what blatant adventurism is. That part sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah, how can you be reclusive and an adventurer? You can adventure by yourself, I guess. Hmm. Maybe. A recluse from other people, but uh, it reminds me of uh, of uh, if you guys have seen the new DuckTales show, like Scrooge McDuck in that show. No, I haven't. It's a great show. It's always going on about adventure, though. Her house, on the other hand, is has excellent financial status, but they're not uh, their name is unknown in the highest of society, she says. And her father has no male heir. So a union between their houses makes perfect sense. And Wayne's just like, yeah, how, uh, how logical of you? The upper class accent rolling off his tongue as if he'd been born with it. And uh, she's like, so look, I, you you were pretty bad in your first few weeks here. But in the last few months, you've kind of turned everything around. So I've taken the liberty of drawing up an agreement that I think will suit our needs. And he's like, an, an agreement? And Wayne on the other hand is, oh, I'm so eager to see this. Let's okay. <laughs> the agreement was a uh, a document of at least 20 pages, which she's made three copies of. One for Wax, one for her father, one for herself. And Lord Harms is like, yeah, I asked her to write down her thoughts, and uh, she is thorough. And Wayne makes a joke that only Wax can hear about don't ask her to pass the milk or she'll throw a cow at you. <laughs> nice. I would be and impressed s- if she could throw a cow. Those things are huge. Yeah, maybe she's a maybe she's a pewter uh, burning person. You never know. Possibly. The document is in several parts. The first is an outline of our courtship phase, wherein we make obvious but not too speedy progress toward an engagement. The engagement must not be so quick as to seem a scandal, but cannot come too slowly either. Eight months should, by my estimates, fulfill our purpose. She, she's something. And Wax I mean, is just like, uh-huh. It's like, all right, I can see the like the logic here. That all makes sense. Yeah, I get it. High society and their views and everything. So that seems a bit more detailed than I would have expected, but also logical. Mm. Uh, that's all fine. It's then when they get to the romance stuff, I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's like, shouldn't there be room for romance in this? And she's like, there is. Page 13. Upon marriage, yeah. there shall be no more than three conjugal encounters per week and no fewer than one until a suitable sure. heir is provided. After that, the same numbers apply to a two-week span. <laughs> she's basically Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Relationship contract. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, page 13, of course. How did I not? Yeah, all right. And meanwhile, Wayne is has taken a bullet from his pocket and is rolling it between his fingers. And she's like, so if that's not enough to satisfy your needs, the next page details proper mistress protocols. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, mistresses are a fact of life, so it's better to account for them than to ignore them. And so uh, the document, you will find the requirements for your potential mistresses, along with the means by which discretion will be maintained. So she's like, I have rules about like the requirements for your mistress, and also I'm going to go ahead and set up the ways that you will use to keep this stuff a secret from you know whoever. It's very, very thoughtful of her. 
And she says, of course, I'm going to follow the same guidelines. And I like, it says Wayne asks, perking up, you plan to take mistresses, my lady? Like, now now we've caught his interest. And that's where she's like, you know, the coachman is usually the object of choice. Uh, I will abstain until heirs are produced, of course. It's in the contract, page 50. Yeah, I like how she also says he, it, the object of choice, not person. Object. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> she, they hire a new coachman. She pulls out a tape measure and she's like... Hmm, hmm, yes, this is suitable. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lord Harms is very uncomfortable over here while Cousin Marisai is just staring at her feet the whole time. And Wax is like, why is she even here? And that's when Lord Harms is like, uh, daughter, maybe we should move to uh, the conversation to less personal topics for a span. And she's like, OK, yeah, there are, there's some stuff I need to know. Are you religious? And he says, I follow the path. And she's like, well, that's the safe choice, I guess, if somewhat dull. I, for one, have never understood why people would follow a religion whose God specifically prohibits worshiping him. I also like how she just has a contact contract for their whole relationship, but she's calling him dull. Your religion is boring. <laughs> it's like, yeah, can we add um, to the contract a part where you don't sass me about my religion? <laughs> yeah, I want to let me let me get some addendums here. Some uh, <laughs> make sure that uh, I'm covered as well. And I, he says it's complicated. She's like, yeah, that's what Pathians like to say with the same breath where they try to explain how simple their religion is. And he's like, that's complicated, too. A simple kind of complicated, though. She is a survivorist, which she's like, oh, great. Well, I mean, they're not that bad. Some of them, at least. So, yeah, I want to know what the survivorist religion is about now that he's like, ah, geez. <laughs> I mean, they're not all so bad, I guess. It's just funny to me because it's like all built on people we know. Yep. From the previous books, so it's like, I mean, the Survivor and, and Harmony were friends. And then uh, Wayne distracts them by being like, oh man, those are nice bookshelves back there. I wish I had shelves like those. And when all the guests turn, he pops up his bubble, says it's about five feet across, so it only captures the two of them. And once it's up, you can't move it. But years of familiarity are allow Wax to discern the boundary of the bubble you can see a little wavering in the air to show you the edge of the speed bubble. And Wayne's like, well, I think the the, the quiet one's kind of cute, but the tall one is insane. Rust on my <laughs> arms, but she is. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> we find out some details about the speed bubble. You can't shoot out of them. Well, you can, but stuff passing through the barrier gets deflected strangely. So you can't aim out of them. And uh, Wax is like, look, this is a good match. And Wayne brings up Lessie and he's like, shut the hell up about Lessie. And he's thinking, I almost got myself where I could stop thinking about her. What would she say if she saw me now? Probably laugh at how ridiculous it was. She wasn't the jealous type. This is my duty now, Wax says. And he goes, Wayne says, your duties used to involve saving folks, not marrying them. And he makes a joke about uh, if you were going to become a different person, couldn't you have chosen one with, without such an ugly face? And Wax is like, Wayne, this is serious. And uh, he shows him the bullet. And Wax says, what's that? And he goes, bullet. You shoot folks with them, hopefully bad ones, or at least ones what, ones what owes you a bar or two. Bar seems to be some sort of unit of currency, because it's the second or third time a bar has been mentioned in that context. Well, I guess bars of metal, valuable in this. Yeah, but now they're starting to turn back, and he's like, okay, it's time to cough. So apparently, like, the sound, I guess, still gets out, but all that conversation they had is compressed into, like, a few seconds of sound that is heard by these people. So they cough to kind of cover all the like chipmunk sounds, I guess it would be coming out at that point when the bubble drops and nobody seemed to notice anything. So it's all good. And uh, wax is like, so I appreciate the contract. I'll read that over, but I kind of was hoping to learn some, something about you in this meeting. And she goes, well, I've been working on an autobiography. Maybe I'll send you a chapter or two. 
<laughs> his response is that's very unconventional of you <laughs> but please tell me about your like your interests and she <laughs> she likes plays but that makes the room uncomfortable and wax is the only one who doesn't know why and uh, <laughs> the playhouse was robbed two nights ago in the middle of the performance which he doesn't read the papers apparently so he wasn't f- uh, familiar with this they took a hostage and ran off with all the monies and no one has heard from the hostage yet she was a cousin of Steris's, and Wax goes, oh, same as, and nods towards Mirasai. And the three of them are confused for a minute, and then Lord Harm's like, oh, no, no, different side of the family. There were dozens of robbers, maybe as many as 30, Mirasai says. And Wax is like, geez, that's a lot. That means you have to have at least another eight guys just to drive everybody away. That's a bunch of people. And Mirasai says, it's the Vanishers, the ones that are stealing from the railways. And Wayne says that hasn't been proven. And she goes, no, but there was a witness from the railway that described several of the men who were seen at the theater. So, but, uh, so apparently we find out that these railway robberies are happening. A ghost rail car appears on the tracks and then they, the train stops. So as not to run into the ghost car, the ghost train. And then when it gets to where it's going, everything out of one car has mysteriously vanished. But in the more recent robberies, they've started robbing the passengers as well. When the train stops, they jump on, they steal people's shit. And then they leave. But the freight car is also still robbed. So, And uh, Marisai is the one like giving a lot of information here. And Lord Harms is like, uh, you're bothering Lord Ladrian. You need to stop. It really does beg the question. It's like, why do they bring her? Yeah, right? And Wax is like, what? No, she's not bothering me. She's... And that's when Steris goes, are you holding a... Is that a bullet in your fingers? And he's been looking at the bullet that Wayne brought. And he's like, oh, right. No, you know, that's nothing important. And Wayne mouths to him, push on it. While Steris is like, are you quite certain that your unconventional past is behind you? And Wayne uh, tries to help out by being like, oh, yeah, he's he's boring, unbelievably, comically, nonsensically boring. You could squeeze more excitement out of a beggar waiting in line at the soup kitchen on rat meat day. It and Wayne's <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you so you. much. <laughs> <laughs> Love how it's, it sounds like an event, rat meat day. <laughs> First on the schedule Clearly is you've goat never meat, been day. To rat meat day. <laughs> you got, and then you got pig meat day, and then and then oh, we got something special. It's rat meat day. Oh, yay! <laughs> delicious, delicious rat meat. <laughs> but they they dear rat meat. <laughs> they decide that they're going to appear together at the Yeoman Ostlin wedding, which uh, had been mentioned earlier. And in the meantime, Wax has slipped a has he has some steel shavings hidden up his sleeve and he drops some in his tea and drinks it. I don't know how you do that subtly where people aren't noticing that you're putting something in your tea, but whatever. And when he burns some steel and sees the blue lines pop up, the lines do not go to the bullet in his finger. And he realizes it's aluminum. Aluminum and a few of its alloys are allomantically inert. You cannot push or pull on them. They are also very expensive. More expensive than gold or platinum is aluminum. Is there a reason why Wayne had to do that now? Right. That's, yeah. Well, that's that's even more my question about what happens immediately after, where he, he turns to Wayne and mouths, where did you get, find it? And everyone is just staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> and Steris is like, are you, are you all right? I know a good zinc counselor if you need some emotional aid. We talked about that before. Like, they need he needs a counselor. So it's written into the contract somewhere. Approved yeah. counselor list. Uh, and she's like uh he's like yeah no no everything's fine um i think this has been a productive meeting don't you guys agree this this was great and she goes that depends uh the wedding party is tomorrow i can count on you having reviewed the contract by then right 
He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, okay, as someone who has planned their own wedding before, why are invitations going out the day before? Right? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> she rambled on for 18 pages, front and back. <laughs> and back. <laughs> Uh, and Lord Harms is like, hey, maybe your uncle can come to the party. And Wax is like, no, no, he cannot come to the party. Uh, he has a very important foaling he needs to attend. And so, yeah, they leave. And then he can talk to Wayne all he wants. He didn't need to do the bullet thing and, like, mouth things at him in the middle of this meeting. Yeah. Uh, Wayne's like, nice bunch. Uh, I, I, see why, I see what you're doing. With wife and in-laws like them, you'll feel quite at home here, just like the jailhouse and its occupants back in Weathering. The bullet was dropped at the theater robbery by one of the robbers. Wayne says, I traded the constables for it this morning. Wayne had a very liberal interpretation of what trading entailed. Oh, don't get that way, Wayne said. I left them a nice cobblestone for it. I think Steris and her pop are convinced you're a loon, by the way. Yeah, well. Yeah, thanks to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. I like aluminum is more valuable than gold or platinum. And he's like, no, I traded them a really nice cobblestone for that bullet. So I think it's all fine, really. It seems like a fair trade. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they got a rock. It's fine. <laughs> it was a really pretty rock. Yay. I spit shined it. Ew. <laughs> and Wax is just like, no, look, I'm, 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 I'm busy. I'm doing my own stuff. The bullet doesn't change anything. And Wayne's, Wayne is determined to solve this mystery. He's going to find out what's going on. And Wax is like, uh, that's not your job. And he says, well, it wasn't your job to go out in the rough to start hitting criminals down, but it needed to be done, so that's what I'm, I'm going to do it. They've taken four hostages so far and not returned any of them. That doesn't bode well. And he says, I'm going to, Wayne says, I'm going to find out what's going on with or without you. And Wayne, Wax says, without me. And Wayne's like, fine. But look, I need a place to start. You're, you always did the thinking. He says, yeah, having brain a brain helps with that, surprisingly. <laughs> there have been eight robberies, seven railway cars, and most recently the theater. So actually, if there were seven railway cars robbed, Wax has lost two shipments, and House Techiel has lost five. That's all shipments between the two of them. I mean, maybe other people have stuff in that. Because uh, I guess the food stuff was stolen, too. So it may have just lots of people might have shipments in the same car, I guess. So four female hostages have been taken uh, among the last three robberies. Wayne also traded the constables for a list of the, all the stuff that's been stolen. And Wax says that he doesn't think it's about the robberies. This is a too large a gang, too well-funded. If they really wanted money, they'd be robbing gold transports or banks. The robberies are probably a distraction. He thinks they're after something mm -hmm. else. And if, that, if, if looking for that goes nowhere, maybe one of the hostages was the actual target. Maybe the whole thing's about blackmail somehow. And Wayne says, yeah, but they robbed some trains before they ever took hostages. And Wax says, yeah, they robbed trains and got away with it. Like, why would you change what you were doing when you were very successfully robbing trains and never getting caught? And uh, like Wayne's like, come on, tell me the truth. You don't do, you really don't even want to know. Doesn't it itch at you? And Wax says no. And Wayne says, I'd believe you if you could say that without your eye twitching. <laughs> I noticed you still you, I noticed you didn't offer me give me the bullet back. And Wax says, nope. Also, you're still wearing your metal mines, keeping uh, steel hidden in your sleeve, and I noticed a gun catalog over there on the table. And he's like, "Hey, guy has to have a hobby." And that is the end of the chapter. Wayne takes off into the night or day, whatever, and that's where we get. Honestly, these uh, these newspaper pages are real interesting to me, and I want to 
bring up this one if I can. I have to look at it on my phone. So give me a second. Because there's a couple of fun little details hidden in here. Again. I sort of thought these would be like the, the bits that we have to piece together, like the epigraphs. Like the epigraphs. It, it, is, it does seem like there might be some stuff in there. So the big the big article on this one is House Techiel unveils the break knot, claiming it will revolutionize security and transportation. They have a new vault style train car intended for transporting valuable goods via railway. Yeah, I guess if after Techiel had five shipments of shit stolen, they're like, okay, we got to do something about this. Yeah, I did. I did read that at least, so I kind of knew that there was something about that. And then there's a there's a smaller note: the Phantom Rail Car, described by witnesses. And then there's down at the bottom, there's a thing about a soothing parlor. Relief from your pains. Mistress Halex Alamancer has opened a new soothing parlor. Luxurious massage, sweet scents, and a soother on duty to give an emotional massage. So isn't that nice? We made made a joke last week about how there should be like therapists and uh, other people who use soothing. And yeah, between this and the fact that she mentioned there was a zinc, which I think is rioting counselor. Yeah. As well. Is like, that what yeah. you want out of a counselor, though? <laughs> well, I mean, he can riot your, like, relaxation emotion or well, whatever. Well, true. Yeah. yeah. Or well, he maybe it's just like, to, like, be happy. Yeah. Or it's just like, you know, you need to just get this all out of your system, riot it out, get it all out sooner, and then you're good. And then there's, uh, I, I like the one that's like, A New Tale of the Roughs, Exploring the Pits of Eltania. Our exclusive series, Alamancer Jack, continues his exploits exploring the distant roughs. In this installment, Jack. Yeah, right. He, he, the infamous pits of El, Eltania where Kolos tribes rule the land and precious unknown metals can be discovered. So won't that be an exciting Yay, story? Yay, new pits. <laughs> and actually, one of the short stories in Arcanum Unbounded is uh, Alamancer Jack and the Pits of Eltania. Oh, cool. Episode 28 through 30 is what is actually the subtitle. So I get, we, we, we jump in, in the middle of uh, his adventure at the Pits of Eltania. So I noticed they appear to have named the month on this newspaper after Doxin. Doxil, he sure did. And actually that feeds right into a month is mentioned in the next chapter. And the month is called Vinuark. And uh, mm. Brendan mentions in the annotations, yes, one of the months is named after Vin. There are 12 months and one of them is named after each of member of the crew with a few tweaks. The days of the weeks also have different names, but we ended up not using any in this book. So now I want to know what all the days of the weeks and all the months are called. Like, that's come on. You can't you can't not tell us. He also mentions in the same and I was going to read, but we'll just since I'm already talking about it. He says, by the way, Skadriel is the closest Earth analog in the Cosmere. I did this intentionally as I wanted one planet where terminology and the like have progressed similarly to what we have. There are distinctions, of course, but generally we've got a lot of similarities. Even in the original Mistborn, we reference plants and animals with Earth style names. You can assume on Skadriel they have horses, dogs, cats, sparrows, and the like. They're 12 months, 24 hours in a day. Gravity is Earth gravity, things like that. So there's some information. Moving into Chapter 3. So Wax is working under the electric lights, which are still a wonder to him. He says, the words of founding had given hints regarding electricity, and what men had achieved still seemed incredible. He's got a pile of uh, newspapers. They're called broadsheets. And he doesn't usually read them because the reports of crime get his mind going in ways that he doesn't want it going and make it hard for him to focus on what he's supposed to be doing. So, But now that this discussion about the Vanishers have come up, he has to read some stuff about it or it's going to drive him nuts, which yeah, I can understand that. He 
He's like, maybe I'll just read a little bit just to catch up on current events, you know? Got to be informed. And I do like that there's, like, certain broadsheets for people like him who want to catch up on a story that they may have missed that collect a lot of articles over the previous weeks and even months that are about the same thing. So you can look through them real quick. That's a cool idea. I don't know if that is a thing that actually happened in the past or not, but I like it. The equivalent of, hey, Google. Yeah. (laughs) So the first robbery was seven months ago, just before he'd arrived back in Ellendale. But they weren't calling them the Vanishers yet. Man, I think I mentioned this in the original trilogy. The old X-Men villain, the Vanisher, like the obligators and their eye tattoos reminded me of him. And now like like actual Vanishers (laughs) are showing up like what the what the hell, man? I don't know anything about that X-Men villain. He was the second X-Men villain ever. Huh. I'm, I'm going to look him up so I can see his uh, eye tattoos or whatever. Oh, man. Did you hear uh, oh, yeah, sure furious enough. typing? He was really going after it. <laughs> yeah. I typed like six letters. You can tell he was a, a really when – was, when he was creator, they were just like putting all the effort into the guy has these powers because his name was Telford Porter. <laughs> like, oh, what, a, what a great name. Oh, that sounds like the kind oh, of name wow. you'd see in this book, actually. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That typing thing uh, got me thinking, you know, I think you and I are both heavy typers. I remember one of my teachers was super obnoxious in school and she taught the typing class and she would get annoyed if she thought we were typing too loudly. Mm. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, she was like, you don't need to type that hard on the keyboard. You're going to break it. I'm like, that's not how keyboards work, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten like been told before I type too loudly. I'm like. Well, this is why I always seem to be set up in a different room to everyone else. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm just more excited to type than everybody else is. You ever think of that? Oh. I've been typing too long to change my style now. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Wax is looking through to find out what was stolen in the beginning. Techiel was one of the richest houses in the city, based over in the second octant, but their new skyscraper was being built in the business district of the fourth octant. Well, how interesting. And he does find a letter that Augustin Techiel has written, wrote a few months back denouncing Ellendale's constables for their failure to protect or recover his goods. But he realized it took him three months to say anything after his first shipment was stolen. That's a long time. Kind of weird. Second and third robberies had been steel shipments, which he says is an impractically heavy substance to be stealing and not as valuable as simply robbing the passenger cars. The fourth robbery, that was the foodstuffs. The fifth, sixth, and seventh had all involved stealing from passengers. The seventh time being the only time they'd taken two hostages instead of one. And no matter how many guards or how sophisticated the locks, they always get in and out real quick and take all the shit. And so his first thought is, are they using a speed bubble like Wayne? And he's like, oh, no, you can't move in or out of the bubble very well. And it would be impossible. It would be impossible to make one so big that you could encompass the whole train car and make the robbery go fast. And so the newspapers are theorizing what's going on. Some people are also theorizing speed bubble. Other people are thinking maybe it's a a pewter ferrochemist who can get real strong and carry everything out. But that doesn't explain how are they bypassing the locks and the guards. And that's when Tillalm shows up. and He's like, hey, you want some tea? And he asks if he has if you have a preference. And Wax says, whatever. He goes, my lord, there's great importance to tea. It should never merely be whatever. Reminds me of B. We used to have the discussions with uh, B was really into T. Oh, yeah, yeah, way back when. And so they they have the whole, uh, are you playing to sleep soon? Do you want something to clear your mind? Sweet or not? Minty or spicy? Strong or weak? And he's like, got, pulls out several jars and mixes stuff together and makes like this from scratch tea. To which when Wax finally takes a sip, he's like, preservation's wings, man. This is good. He's like, thank you, thank you. I know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tea genius. 
Also, I like how they're referencing preservation, and also, did preservation have wings? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, then the butler's like, well, Miss Grimes would note that you seem to be slipping back into old habits. And he's like, well, you know, the, the harms were aghast that I didn't even know anything about these robberies. You gotta keep up on current events. And the butler's like, yeah, that's a good excuse. To which Wax says, thank you. I almost have myself completely persuaded. And he hasn't been able to figure out what the first shipment was that got stolen until Ohm says, I believe it was a shipment of wool. I heard it being discussed at the butchers earlier in the week. And Wax is like, wait, wool? That don't make no sense. Maybe they're just cold. Yeah, they were really cold in the middle of the summer. <laughs> and uh, he has to bring him some paper, which used to belong to his sister. And that brings up some memories about uh, over 20 years where he barely ever saw his sister. And he kind of regrets it now that she died in the same accident as his uncle. Fair reason for regret. And so the first robbery happened on the 14th of Vinuark, which apparently is the middle of the summer. Second robbery happened much later. And so after some examination of various uh, manifests and records and his uncle has stuff where he keeps track of what the competition was doing, Wax decides it wasn't wool. That's stupid. It was aluminum. Tekiel was avoiding taxes by claiming the aluminum was something else. His aluminum shipments for this year are way lower than the last two years, or the last two years are way lower than before that, but his smelters are still producing it. So I'd bet my best gun that Augustin Techiel, with the help of some railway workers, has been running a nice, profitable little, little smuggling operation, which is why he did not make a big commotion after the first theft. Well, you know, that guy's got to be a villain because his first name is Augustine. <laughs> And so that also explains the long wait between the two robberies. The bandits were using the aluminum, either selling it for money or to make aluminum bullets. But why do they need aluminum bullets until I'm like, well, I mean, for killing the Alamancers, which draws the question where he's like, do you think the people being kidnapped are Alamancers? All four women are from wealthy families. None of them are, are have openly Alamantic powers, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Sometimes that stuff is kept a secret. Which was also true back in the Final Empire days, so that's kind of funny. But some people apparently just pulled that shit out. It says that uh, one candidate for the orchard grower's seat in the Senate had run solely on the platform that he was a copper cloud and thus could not be affected with zinc or brass. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be that guy right now. Shouldn't he that say he's a smoker because he produces a copper cloud? Maybe they don't call it smoker anymore. Maybe that uh, the term has gone out of style. Smoker is way better than Copper Cloud. Come on, I agree 100%. Yeah, Smoker's way cooler. (laughs) Smoking is cool, kids. Do it. (laughs) Don't. don't, That was... No, don't do that. (sighs) And apparently that dude won by a landslide because people are like, oh, that's great. I don't want my Senate member being secretly influenced by those freaking Alamancers. And so Wax is like, yeah, I bet all the captives were secretly Alamancers. That's why they got aluminum bullets. And they probably have aluminum lining in their hats to shield them from emotional alamancy, which is way easier than being like a, a copper misting. Just if you could just put aluminum in your hat, which, oh, my God, I just picked Brandon. the wall with tinfoil. Yeah, yeah right. It's a tinfoil hat joke. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually super effective here, apparently. Sure. Tinfoil, you know. But of course, aluminum is super expensive, I guess. So I guess not everybody can afford a nice hat with aluminum stuffed in there. And so as he's thinking through all this. Tilom is like, hey, weren't you going to go over the ledgers tonight and the lease on the new offices in the Iron Spine? And Wax is like, yeah, I'll do all that. Okay, when? And apparently it's gotten a lot of time has passed. 
And so Tulum has to go into, he's like, okay, let me, let me tell you a story about how your uncle was a, uh, I forget what they call it. Somebody goes to the horse track and bets a bunch, a bunch. There's a name for that. Hunter. Maybe that's the word I'm looking Hunter. for. Yeah. Not long after he became High Lord, he would spend most of his days at the tracks. And Wax is like, wow, no wonder we're destitute. And Tulum says, no, actually, he was really good at gambling. He usually came out way ahead. But while he was winning a small fortune at the races, the house was losing a large fortune in mismanaged businesses. Business. Of course, given how his uncle left things, maybe he should have stayed at the track. <laughs> and Tulum's like, look, I'm not trying to lecture you. A man has to make his own decisions, but I'm just trying to warn you. Even a good thing can become destructive if taken to excess. Your house needs you. Thousands of people are relying on you. And Wax is like, oh, shoot, you're right. It's 2.15 in the morning and I need to get some sleep and I still haven't done any of that work I was supposed to do. But he realizes he didn't say his daily prayers because things were so crazy. So and here's where we get some of the interesting stuff about the Pathian religion. There's no specific stuff about how you're supposed to pray. Just you're supposed to spend 15 minutes in meditation and pondering. And like it's like a lot of people like to sit cross-legged, eyes closed, but uh, he can't do that. It makes his back hurt. And also, what if someone sneaks up on him while his eyes are closed and shoots him? So he just he prefers to just stand. So he has to put his earring in his uh, his religion earring, the stamped with the ten interlocking rings of the path. So it's the ten rings is what he's a member of, and, uh, <laughs> worshiping the Mandarin or something. And I love he's like so yeah. How are things up there in the mists, Harmony? Life's good, I assume, with what with being God and all. <laughs> In response, he felt a sense of amusement. He could never tell if he created these sensations himself or not. And in the annotations, uh, it says, so if it matters to you, that is actually says talking to Wax here. It's not just his imagination. I'm not sure what readers are going to think of this. My goal with the original Mistborn trilogy was to set up a mythology for the world, one in which real characters were playing a part. Sazed is essentially God now. Maybe lowercase g would be better word, but still, he's the one watching over the world, making sure things go as they should. At this point, he's working hard to discover what's going on with other shards and to keep another disaster from coming Skadriel's way. You should know that holding two opposite shards of Adenalsium has made Sazed more zen, if you will. <laughs> Not inactive. However, he has taken on a belief that both ruin and preservation are important in people's lives and doesn't feel that interfering is something he should often be doing. He sees his primary role being to encourage people to be better and to keep an eye on other shards to make sure that the world keeps working as it should. So that's an interesting note. Hmm. But Wax is here thinking, like, maybe you could use your powers to help me some because I feel like I'm in a bind. And it's weird to him because he's used to praying when he's really in a bind, like tied up about to be murdered or something, lost in the roughs without food or water. Not right now. He's in a lavish mansion and uh, has a seat in the Senate. So it's a very different circumstance from what he's used to. So he's like, so why do I feel like these last six months are the hardest ones I've ever lived? We find out a little about how the stuff is organized, and it sounds kind of messed up to me, where he's like, look, so the Ladrian House started as several thousand individuals following the Origin, capital O, and had grown large in 300 years. Waxillium negotiated, negotiated, determined their wages, their privileges, and their lifestyle. And if his house collapsed, they'd have to go elsewhere, but they would be lesser members of those houses for a generation or two. Until they obtain full rights. That's, wow, okay. A couple of generations is a long time to have to work yourself up. Yep. The path is a simple religion in that it has one basic tenet. Do more good than harm. There's also the belief that all truth is important. The requirement to give more than you take. There were over 300 examples listed in the words of founding of religions that could have been, might have been, in other times, in, other world, in another world. 
So we do know that Say's left behind at the end of the third book all the information from his copper mines in book form. So all those religions, the 300 or whatever religions that he was crossing off one at a time during that last book were in there somewhere, I guess. But I like among the various uh, things in this religion, the path was don't waste time worshiping harmony. Doing good was the worship, which that sounds like says to me. I can see that. Waxillium had converted to the path soon after leaving Ellendale. He was still convinced the woman he'd met on the train had been one of the faceless immortals, the hands of harmony. She had given him the earring, every Pathian wore one while praying. So that's a cool name for a group, the faceless immortals. I like that. Yeah. So he, 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 he senses, I guess is maybe the right word, a whisper inside him that says, use your talents. You'll figure it out. And he says he often from praying just gets this vague sense of encouragement. Like keep going. It's not as difficult as you think it is. Don't give up. Other religions had ceremonies and meetings, not Pathians. In a way, the simplicity made it harder to follow because it left up so much interpretation up to your own conscience. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. After meditating, he feels like Harmony wants him to do both. Be a good house lord and figure out the Vanishers thing. Which says probably does want him to figure it out. Maybe. Yeah. And then uh, he decides to sit down and work on the house's ledgers. And that's the end of the chapter. So, yeah. I guess we can go into predicaments. Maybe, uh... I guess what I'm interested in at this point is actually is what do you think is happening with these trains being robbed? Because that that was this whole second chapter was largely about how mysterious and weird the situation is. So if you're going to among your predictions, let's hear what you think is happening there. Predigments. Oh, I don't really know where this is going. I can't. I feel like I don't really have enough information yet to kind of make proper guesses. I'm going to go with, like, last week, I think I said Wayne is actually a misborn. Now that we've met Wayne, I don't think so. just doesn't feel that way to me. What's happening with the train? I feel, yeah, it, I, I think he's sort of onto something with the different medals being taken. It does seem that there's going to be a bigger, more Alimantic-centred scheme going on. In the newspaper, there was something about a phantom train or something yeah, yeah like no a, like like a ghost train coming the other way on the tracks that makes the yeah. train stop yeah i mean i probably not a ghost train but maybe there is a new skill or something i don't know if it could tie into oh my god my brain and words that metal that you can burn one metal that Which, you can burn yeah right that one that one metal you know the one that got exploded <laughs> in the pits Adium? Oh, Adium. Adium. Oh, yeah. Like, maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe, maybe it's a someone could or see it as a possibility of what was going to happen, or I, I don't know. We don't know anything about the witnesses yet either. Is it a story that's just being spread? What's going on in these other pits as well? I don't know if maybe that'll all come together. I, I don't find it likely that we've actually got a ghost train. I think there's something else. I like the idea that all of the people that have been kidnapped have got some kind of alimantic power. Maybe it's going to be used on a, a larger scale for something else. I don't don't know yet, but I don't feel like I've really answered your question about what I think is happening. But I think you can gauge <laughs> that okay. my brain doesn't really know what's happening yet. <laughs> sure, it's sure. fair. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else in terms of predicaments. Maybe I don't know this 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 contract lady. For some reason, I just knew she was going to have blonde hair. I 
don't know why <laughs> when they when it's like oh she's got blonde hair I was like of course she does I don't know that's and that's nothing against blondes I just <laughs> I just don't know I, I feel like maybe there'll be more going on with her cousin I, I don't know that this arranged marriage will work out I don't think she well at this stage I don't think she's really got enough in her I guess in terms of spontaneity or anything like that to really help drive the story in the short amount of time that Brandon's got to tell the story I don't know Mm. but I feel like everything we've just gone through is going to come back at some point to tie together our Sander Lanch okay that's fair yeah Yeah. It really, uh, uh, just to pick out one of the things that you mentioned, it really does seem like there has to be something else going on with Marisai, right? Otherwise, her being at that meeting and was yeah. really strange. Why have her there? Um, and I think it was Joe at the start was saying, you know, maybe she's involved or they, like they, they actually have to keep an eye on her because she knows more or has some sort of useful information that could be, like if she was left alone, she could tell somebody. Yeah. Maybe she's a super Mistborn. Super Mistborn. Okay. A super Mistborn Ferrochemist. I don't know. Mistborn of legend. <laughs> Legendary Super Mistborn. <laughs> Freeze is just like, oh god, no. <laughs> not, not this again. Uh, I don't know how many times I have to tell you that isn't true. <laughs> okay, so my predictions. I'm gonna be straight honest. I got no bloody idea how they're jacking the trains. Okay, that's fair. I, I I got nothing there. No, my prediction relates to Marasai. I was always calling call him Marasi. But so I suspect that she is part of the Vanishers, and I, she may she may not even be related to the 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 Harmses. It's like I think she she might have just found out about this meeting and sort of blackmailed them into letting her tag along. And she's slipping wax enough information. If they're if they're stealing Alamances, powerful ones, then it could be that wax is their next target, and she's trying to get him deliberately investigating so that he puts himself in a vulnerable vulnerable position to get taken. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, I, I think he's become a target Ooh. because people are like someone is aware of like yeah he's a really good Alamancer, he's a really good fighter. So he might actually be valuable to the Vanishers' cause, whatever it is, whatever um, whatever they're doing. So, yeah, Marisai is setting him up to be abducted. Ooh, that could be very interesting. Yeah, that's 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 even the kind of thing that you could slip in here and then like wait until really late in the book to reveal like the twists. Like, oh no, the unassuming girl was really working with the bad guys the whole time. Yep. Okay, interesting. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of questions here I, I anytime anytime we talk about phantom train it just makes me think of kingdom hearts 2 so i'm like a little <laughs> I I'm a, yeah i'm a little lost on the phantom train but my guess if i had to formulate one since we know ben deloy makes you go faster like in a speed bubble perhaps they're not speeding up time perhaps they found some way to slow time down like do the opposite since we know that, you know, Alamancy a lot of times works in opposites. So I'm wondering if somehow they're slowing down time and that's giving them an advantage. But other than that, I couldn't really formulate a, 
an idea. I'm not sure how. I like the idea that it might be Adium, but I'm not sure how Adium would help in this situation just because of the limitations of it. But maybe there's an opposite thing that it does. I don't know. But yeah, so... I, I'm not totally sure. That's my best guess. Is that their guess is that they're slowing down time instead of speeding it up. Um, but that's because you know we're working within the confines of of the powers that we know. There could be more powers later that are introduced that would uh, give us a better answer. But uh, for for what I know now, I feel like that's probably the best guess that I have. Yeah, I think Wax is going to have to get involved. I'm I'm guessing that there's going to be some kind of combat coming soon because the the opening of the book was uh, the prologue of the book was really great with the combat, and I feel like that's what we're missing right now. We've got the mystery angle, we've got the intrigue, we've got a, a crazy nutbag wife. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I think that's all we're missing. So I'm I'm predicting that we're going to get some. Things are going to heat up. There's going to be some combat coming uh, very soon, hopefully. Okay. That's, yeah, that's fair. Got to show up sometime, right? Can't all be parties and uh, politics. Or can it? Mm. No, no, it can't. <laughs> no. Not another Well of Ascension. So, with yeah. less combat. There was a lot of murdering in Well of Ascension. Uh, there sure was, points, buddy. There sure was. So, you know, you can't really say there wasn't any fighting there. I mean, I could say that. I'd I mean, if it is. <laughs> if it is all political this book at least the book's shorter yeah there you go it's, really it's all going to be like one party and it's going to be the whole book uh, they're about to go to this wedding or whatever right so it'll just be that's, that's the rest of the book is the party go to the wedding ghost train will like come on through with the bride and groom <laughs> um, it's got just married at the back yeah, it's gonna be like the exactly. last season of How I Met Your Mother, where it all takes place on like one day. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so speaking of the future, for next time, ten percent more of the book, two more chapters, four and five is what we were reading for next time. Other than that, we have a couple emails that I was going to grab out. One is from Jason, who has sent us stuff before. It says, "Hey there, I took a break from listening during the baby break episodes and recently binged my way back up." I actually enjoy Elantris more than most, though it's noticeably Brandon's first work. I really enjoyed your commentary on it, though. Emperor's Soul is one of my favorite books. I adore the emotional lens and everything about the magic system. There's a reason it won an award. Yeah, that's fair. It was unusual listening to you get through an entire story in a single episode, but I'm glad you liked it so much. By the way, side note, that was uh, that was uh, the reaction in the Discord was like everyone was really excited about how much everyone enjoyed that story. No, after, cool. after we recorded... Uh, and when people found out what was coming up next, they're like, oh, man, I wonder what they're going to think about this. I bet Joe's going to hate it, somebody said. And I was like, <laughs> OK, I'm not going to spoil anything, but let me just tell you guys, there were strong feelings about the story. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I like how I'm apparently the resident hater. I mean, I'll give anything <laughs> a chance if it uh... – if it, you know, if it tickles, if it tickles my fancy, it tickles my fancy. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, give me a chance to like it. Yeah, they were very excited after that episode came out. Everyone's like, oh, I love how much they loved it. So that's that was nice. Uh, but going back to what Jason says, back to uh, Six of Dusk, he says, it's actually one of my least favorite Cosmere books, but it's probably because it raises too many questions that I know won't be answered for years. That's fair. Yeah. As for Wax and Wayne, I'm looking forward to you guys talking about it. I prefer it to Era 1, and I don't even like Westerns that much. It's a very unusual story, and the characters are amazing. Can't wait to see what you think about it. And then he's uh, he's got a question for me that uh, I, I won't read uh, on the air, but I w- I'll answer maybe 
I'm not sure that it actually matters is my answer to your question, Jason. So that was Jason's email. Thank you. Is that Jefferson? Yeah, I think it might be actually. I haven't heard from him in a while. Hey, man. Well, apparently yeah, he stopped I mean, listening. I, I, I actually breaks, don't. So. <laughs> right. I actually don't remember his real name. So, yeah, <laughs> it's whatever. The next one is from James, who says, hey, Sandra Lanch crew. Excited to have you start Alloy of Law, but I wanted to let you know of a problem I have with your podcast. It's too good. I couldn't stop listening, and I burned through all the episodes in like three weeks. So now I have nothing to listen to. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, when Did you, you do say... anything else? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. When you say you have a problem with our podcast, that's like – okay, I interview people uh, – because I, I I'm I'm a part of the hiring process where I work. When people when I ask people what their greatest weakness is, and they say stuff like uh, I care too much, <laughs> I immediately uh, care too disc- much, I, man. I, I immediately discredit everything that they say because uh, they're BSing. I hope you're sincere, but uh, you know that was uh, that was not a cool thing. There's an interview. Uh, there's an interview tip from from Joe for everyone yeah. out there. Don't say that. Pick an actual weakness. That's the opposite of everyone else's interview advice, by the way. Everyone's like, don't actually say any weakness that you have. That's uh, ridiculous. If you don't have any no. weaknesses, you're not a human being. Yeah. So don't be an asshole. I also interview people. And yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you have something that you can recognize in yourself that's bad, it means you don't view yourself as perfect as well. So mm. Right. Yeah. They, they hear someone say an actual weakness. They go, you know what? This person doesn't have an ego. That's great. Yeah, My weakness this is I can't knows. read. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. When that's your weakness, <laughs> then that's a whole different thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, recognizing a weakness in yourself is a mature thing. If, yep. if, you, if you, you don't think you have any weaknesses, you are an immature person. I have incidents of explosive rage uh, <laughs> every other day or so. <laughs> Uh, I just, you had someone you know. say that to me once in an interview. Not, not about explosive rage, but oh, okay. like that they would they would yell at people, and I was like, that's not a cool thing to say in your interview. No, <laughs> I mean it's like I, I, points I mean, for honesty, like, but maybe turn it back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I say a weakness, I mean also we're like, hiring you for a management role. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. When I say a weakness, I mean things like you know you um. You're not so good with words sometimes and you people, you know, people misunderstand you and you have a hard time relating to others sometimes. Like, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. I don't want you to tell me that you like, you know, blow up on people and yell at them. <laughs> that's that's a different thing. My weakness is I'm a grammar Nazi, not a real Nazi, just a grammar Nazi. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, using the word Nazi in the interview. <laughs> yeah, probably. Also, also <laughs> a good way to not get hired. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Anyway, um, back to J- back to James's email. Seriously, <laughs> seriously though, this is one of my favorite podcasts, and I thank you all for making it. That's about it. Just wanted to make sure you all knew how funny and insightful you all are. Wasn't to the time of next, James. Thank thanks, you, man. sir. Yeah. Thanks, James. Hey, thanks, man. We like James. Uh, that is all that new stuff this time. So. Going back to what I said, two more chapters for next time. It is another full 10% of the book. So look at this. We're just chewing through this book. Amazing fun. Um, it? I don't chew books, man. I read them. <laughs> music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next, everyone. Colo? Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I just, once again, I was sure that I was missing something, but uh, that's just every episode for me. I'm just like, I know I forgot something, but it's fine. When we lose everything that defines us. 
future we hold to the promise that binds us and carry on into tomorrow's sorrow when we're facing